My name is Brian, and I'm the lead pastor at Grand Valley Church. We hope that this message helps you explore faith and connect with Jesus. Wrapping up our series called How to Be a Jesus Follower in 2020. And we've been talking through this whole series about how our faith is centered on Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I hope that this series has helped you feel grounded to your faith in a new way. And if you aren't, don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus. Maybe you were you someone shared this video with you or you stumbled on our church and our online service somehow. First off, I want to say thank you for being here with us. And secondly, I hope that this series and that this message today helps you understand a bit more about who Jesus is and why we choose to follow him. Because one of the things that's true about following Jesus is that choosing to follow Jesus with our lives is choosing to put ourselves on a journey of spiritual growth. We care a lot about spiritual growth here as a church. In fact, we put it right in our mission of why we exist as a church. And we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Because where we're at when we meet Jesus isn't where Jesus wants to leave us. He always wants to draw us deeper into a relationship with him, of deeper into knowing his love, his plans, the way he made us, the way he created us, and who he is developing us to be. All those are part of spiritual growth, about becoming more like Jesus. Because when Jesus invites people to follow him, He's inviting them to become more like him. And that's why people followed him during his ministry. Now, something that's unique about today is that here in 2020, we have more access to teaching and training about our faith and spiritual growth, the Bible, Jesus, than any other generation has had before us. In fact, if you rewind to before radio was common, to before television If you wanted to learn about Jesus, you were really limited to your local church. Maybe someone in your local church would have a Bible study, or maybe they'd mentor you. Maybe they would have books that they had bought that they could share with you. Or your other option was really to go and take classes at a seminary. There really wasn't much option for spiritual growth other than the local church. But then technology happened, and we went through a digital revolution And our world changed significantly. Radio and television opened up entirely new ways for people to communicate truth about Jesus, to communicate the gospel. And then the internet happened. And the internet changed things remarkably because now instead of only having your local church, you can connect with any church anywhere in the world. In fact, this year, 2020, more churches have gone online than ever before. And so there are thousands, likely millions of sermons, teachings, podcasts, not to mention articles, blogs, and then there's still things like books and universities, seminaries. There are so many ways that we have access to teaching and training about our faith. And when there is so much available to us, it leads to two questions. And the first one is this, are we using the spiritual growth resources that are provided for us? Are we using what's available to us to help us grow in our faith? And to kind of illustrate why this is so important, I want to take us into the Old Testament to a time period that's about 700 years before Jesus. Now, in this time in the Hebrew Scriptures, the nation of Israel has split in half. The northern tribes kept the name Israel. The southern tribes took the name Judah. And just before this story happened, the nation of Israel in the north was conquered 
by the nation of Assyria. And so Judah is all that's left. They were the smallest tribes. They're kind of in a weakened state. They're not sure what's going on. And during this time, they get a new king. The king before was assassinated, and his son gets installed as the king by the people. And so in 2 Chronicles 34, we pick up the story. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. So that puts us as his reign as king being from 640 to 608 BCE. And it goes on and says this, that Josiah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. Now David was one of the kings during the time period when Israel was united as one nation. It's viewed as the pinnacle, the highest point of Israel's history as a nation. And so it says that Josiah followed in the example of David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. Now Josiah was just a kid, eight years old when he becomes king. And later on in the 18th year of his reign, Josiah starts rebuilding the temple. He starts taking the money, the offerings that people would bring to the temple. And Josiah decides to say, we should use that to renovate the temple. And so in verse 14, it tells us that this event happens. While they were bringing out the money collected at the Lord's temple, Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. The high priest finds a book of the law that was somewhere in the temple. Now, you might think that shouldn't be a surprise. This shouldn't be a big event. Like, that's where you should find the book of the law. That's where you should find the writings. But this was a big event. And in fact, the the scholars and historians think that this wasn't even a complete Torah, the first five books of the Bible. This was just one of them. They think it was just Deuteronomy. That was all that was found. And so the high priest takes this book, gives it to Josiah's secretary, and Josiah has the the book of the law read to him, and it says that Josiah tore his clothes when when it was read to him because he realized how far the nation had strayed from what God had wanted them to be as a people when they were led by Moses in the wilderness. And so Josiah calls all the people together. He calls all the temple officials, all his leaders, all the elders of the whole nation, and he reads the book of the law to them and says, this is who we're going to be now. We discovered this. We see the truth of who we're supposed to be, so we're going to become this. See, when the book of the law was discovered, Josiah oversaw massive reforms of the nation of Judah, bringing the people back into a covenant relationship with God. And this is what happens when just one scroll was found, one book of the law, and it changed the whole nation. And the historians who write about Josiah in Chronicles and Kings say that he was a good king because of this. Not many of the kings from that era were declared good, but Josiah was one of them. Because when they found a resource, when they found part of God's word, they came back to it and they used it, and they let it shape them. See, we are living now in a time when God has provided us with a lot more than just one book of the Bible. In fact, we have all of the scriptures. On top of that, we have all the teachings, we have sermons, we have books, we have podcasts, we have articles. We have all kinds of resources available to us to help us grow spiritually. And so that sometimes means we have to ask, are we using 
the spiritual growth resources that are provided to us? Are we using what God has given us to help us grow closer to him? Now, we have to choose to take an active part in our own spiritual growth. Are we choosing to be like Josiah, choosing to listen to what God's provided, choosing to use that and to let that guide us into knowing more about who he is? Because our spiritual growth requires us to be active. We can't just say we have the resources and that's good enough. We actually have to use the resources that God gives us. And secondly, when there is so much, when there's so much available to us as followers of Jesus, how do we know which resources will lead us closer to Jesus? Because with millions of sermons, books, courses, podcasts available to you, the challenge is deciding which ones will help you grow spiritually because the truth is they're not all made equally. They're not all made the same. In fact, something that you may find incredibly helpful, someone else might listen to and just get nothing from it. And that's okay because that's sometimes how God works. And in fact, not all teaching is equal. Just because someone has a million views on YouTube doesn't mean that what they're teaching is for sure correct. And on the same side, just because someone has almost no views on YouTube or leads a small church, that doesn't mean that they are correct because it's small either. In fact, we have to discern and filter through what is available to us to figure out what's going to help us. And this isn't new at all. In fact, Jesus taught about this in his ministry. There's this time period early in the Gospel of Matthew one of the eyewitnesses accounts of Jesus' life, where Jesus teaches what we call today the Sermon on the Mount. There was this massive crowd following Jesus, and Jesus gives this long teaching that covers all kinds of topics. In fact, if you want to know Jesus in a nutshell, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you'll get a solid picture of who Jesus is and what it means to live a life following Jesus. But near the end of that, in Matthew 7, Jesus gives this teaching. He says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. And then a few verses later, he summarizes this chunk of his teaching, this warning that there will be false prophets prophets, false teachers that will try to lead people astray, Jesus ends by saying, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Now, in the first century, this became a pretty big problem in the early church. There were people who realized they could take advantage of churches by claiming to be a teacher of of Jesus, by claiming to have a word from God, and going from city to city, relying on the generosity of churches. And so the apostles and the authors of the New Testament often had to write letters warning churches saying, hey, that teaching they're giving, that teaching doesn't line up with who Jesus is. They're teaching something to make you feel comfortable. They're teaching you something that isn't true to take advantage of you. And so Paul and the other apostles and the other authors of the New Testament constantly had this work cut out for them of drawing people back to the truth about who Jesus is. And this is what Jesus talked about. He says, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, 
you can identify people by their actions. So how do we filter? How do we evaluate all the massive amounts of teaching that are available to us? And, and I want to suggest that there's a, a few simple questions we can ask in this. There may be more questions than this, but this is a starting point. We can evaluate teaching by asking, does it align with Scripture? Does it align with the Old Testament and the New Testament? Does it align with what we know of what Scripture teaches? And now that does require that we kind of have to know Scripture to be able to evaluate if a teaching is in line with Scripture. And then there's the question that Jesus asked, does it produce good fruit? Is it creating good things for the kingdom of God? Is it creating spiritual growth? Is it leading people to be more like Jesus? That takes us to the third question. Does it encourage godly living? Is it encouraging us to be more like Jesus? And this last one is big. Does this teaching display God's love to everyone? Because we know, and we talked about this in the last week's online service together, God's desire is for everyone to live in a relationship with him, for everyone to know his love. And if you listen to a teaching or a sermon or a podcast and someone is making claims that a group of people, well, they're, they're not as important to God as another group of people, you know immediately that is wrong. Because a mark of true teaching is that it displays God's love to everyone. And in fact, I think you should be asking these questions even when you're listening to me. Because the truth is sometimes we may not always get it right. Sometimes my understanding of Scripture may not be complete enough, and I might teach something where I'm a little off base. And I want to encourage you to have a conversation with me about those things because that is how we grow together. One of the things that is so important about this is that we may think that teaching should always just make us feel comfortable, but there are times when solid and truthful teaching will be very uncomfortable to hear. In fact, sometimes it might be downright convicting when it suddenly a gap in our lives gets exposed by something we read in Scripture. And those are moments when the Holy Spirit might be tapping us on the shoulder saying, hey, this is something I want you to work on. This is something for you. And those moments, they're not always very comfortable. I can think of a few times in my life where a mentor or another pastor or a friend, uh, or sometimes it was even the words in a book or what was spoken on a podcast just left me dead in my tracks for a moment of realizing, oh, I made a mistake. I got to correct for that. I got to repent of, of what I had done. I got to make a change here because that's part of what spiritual growth is. Spiritual growth always requires us to sometimes leave something behind in order to move forward. And sometimes we have to leave behind those parts of us that aren't the way that Jesus wants us to be that aren't the way that Jesus created us to be and choose to let go of them to move forward. So we have to be careful not to confuse comfort with truth. In fact, sometimes conviction is a better indication of truth than comfort is. Now, something that Vicki talked about earlier in this series is that spiritual growth is easier when we have other people walking alongside us in our faith. And that's one of the things right now that is difficult to do in 2020. But Vicki had some great examples of how we can still connect and how do we still find community and encourage each other in our faith? How do we walk together as followers of Jesus? 
In fact, right now, community looks more like phone calls and text messages and video chats, or maybe it's a physically distanced bonfire in someone's backyard. There are still plenty of ways that we can gather responsibly, safely, and lovingly to our neighbors to find community and to have opportunities for that spiritual growth. In fact, one of the opportunities that you could choose to take advantage of is to use this as a time to launch a little house church. And a house church is simply just a few people gathering together to maybe watch our online service together, take some time discussing it, take time to pray for one another, and be a little community unto yourselves in this time period. And so I want to encourage you maybe to think about that. Maybe have a conversation with your spouse or with a group of friends about saying, is there a way we can do this responsibly, a way that we can connect with each other during this time? In fact, I know um, I was talking with one group of people that were saying they were planning on doing this with a Facebook watch party where they would choose to watch the service and have their own little group chat to talk with each other during the service. So if you're watching today, that group, hey, thanks for doing this. But that's one of the ways that we can have community together. Now, I said at the beginning that we would have a little update about our plan to launch in-person services. And back in June, if you remember, we announced kind of a plan that we said, this is the direction we're heading in, that we're going to launch. We're going to start by launching something called a watch party. And what that was going to be was that we would, on Sundays, open up our building to a small group of people to say, hey, we can gather together here, and we're going to watch the service on the big screen, watch the online service together. And we thought that there was going to be some interest and in that, but it turns out there wasn't. So we're choosing to kind of shelf the phase two of that plan. We're going to shelf the watch parties for now. We're going to encourage you to maybe think about starting up your own house church, something like that, to find community. And we're still moving towards having in-person services with an online service still available. And we're going to have more info about that coming up in just a few weeks. And so just pay attention to our online service, pay attention to our website, and make sure you're getting our emails. That's the first place we're going to announce everything is through our email. Now, here's the bottom line. When it comes to spiritual growth and how to be a Jesus follower in 2020, there's this one simple truth. No one has as much influence on your spiritual growth as you do. If you make the choice to say, I don't really want to grow. I don't want to dig into something. I don't want to ask difficult questions. I don't want to spend time studying and reading, or I don't want to spend time listening to podcasts. The simple truth is you may not grow. Or if you do, your spiritual growth is probably going to be slower than what you want it to be. But you have influence. And if you choose to dig in and to lean into what Jesus is doing in your life, to what he's calling you to, to how we can walk this path together, I promise you, you will grow. And you'll find a depth of a relationship with Jesus that is sustaining and life-giving and encouraging. You'll find strength to endure difficult circumstances. You'll find a perspective that helps you see the world with different eyes. You'll find ways that Jesus works through you to show love and empower and equip others around you. See, no one has as much influence on your spiritual growth as you do. As a, as a pastor, I can't force you to grow. I can try to put good things in front of you that will help you grow. But it's up to you to dig into them. That's all I got to say for today. That I really want to encourage you to lean into your spiritual growth. 
And if you want to connect, if you have questions, there's a link in the video description for our online connect card. And you can fill that out. And I'd love to have a conversation with you. Even if you disagree with me on something I've said here, we could talk that through. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe this is an opportunity where God's going to teach us both something. And so I'd love to have that opportunity with you. Now, next week, we are launching into a new series all about Jesus' parables. And it's a series that I know you're not going to want to miss. So we will see you online next Sunday at 11. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you know of someone that would benefit from hearing the message you just listened to, would you do us a favor and share this podcast with them? And while you're at it, please consider subscribing to be the first to hear when our podcast is updated. If you want to join in on Sundays, our services are streaming online at 11 a.m. Central. To find out more about our church, go to mygrandvalley.ca and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.